staying sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. If you don't have a barrier, whether it's a steel barrier or a concrete wall, substantial and strong, uh, you're never going to solve this problem. National emergency is going through Congress because that already went through Congress. That's what's there for it. If you read it, it is so clear, it is so perfect, I'd rather not do it, not for any particular reason, other than this should be easy to get approved through Congress. It's not a money thing, it's a political thing. Uh, they look at the 2020 race and they're not feeling too good about it. They'll do whatever they can to win. We're not going anywhere. We're not changing our mind because there's nothing to change your mind about. The wall works. It's not a question like, well, maybe it won't work. It'll work 100%. Now we're adding onto that equipment to find drugs that are hidden in cars. I mean, we have this incredible equipment. I'm prepared for anything. And now, Stacy Washington. Uh... Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. We're here live on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. And it's Friday. Friday. I'm ready for the weekend. <laughs> I'm always ready for Monday. And then I'm ready for Friday. I'm ready for the weekend. So I'm super excited about all of that. And I want to continue on our information sharing and gathering expedition that we're on. We're just galloping through the facts today. And it's so much fun. The, the facts, when, when you gallop through them, they, they smell good. Have you ever had a tree trimmer come by and trim a tree at your house and be amazed at the, at the smell of cut wood? It like hangs in the air for almost the whole day that they, that when they're cutting the trees or, you know, you walk through a neighbor's garden who they're, they're actually really good at raising rose bushes. We only have the knockout roses that you have to do nothing to. Cause I, I've killed so many rose bushes over the year, but if you have a neighbor who has a garden, of fragrant roses and you walk through or maybe you go on a garden tour and you walk through the different the different scents it can be almost intoxicating because it's just so beautiful um so you know what i i i say when when we gallop through the facts it's like we're releasing an aroma a sweet aroma of truth and and it just, it just it's it's good for the soul it brightens our outlook and it keeps us on the path because if we're going to just tune into CNN and buy the lies and, and madness that's being peddled there, then, yeah, we're probably going to get discouraged. But if we keep dealing in facts and truth, we're going to know that we're on the right side. If you're not advocating for lawlessness, if you're advocating for the rule of law, for a border that actually maintains our national sovereignty, then you're advocating to protect children, young girls and boys, men and women from all of the horrors of the border crossing, the journey up through all of the different countries, all of that. You're saying that's not OK with you. And you're right. You're right about that. So you should take heart. You shouldn't be discouraged. No matter how many people you have to go up against and calmly and sweetly deliver the facts, you should never be tired of it. And you should never be like, oh, you know what? We're not winning. It's not about winning. It's about being on the right side. You're either on the side of protecting women and children and men and young boys, all of them, or you're not. If you're on the right side, you can be encouraged. You can be of good cheer because you know how this thing all works out. Whether we win on the surface on this particular issue or not, you have to advocate for what is right and what is good. And you have to do so firmly. And, you know, I'm, I'm new to this whole calmly arguing things out thing. I used to be a flamethrower. This is a new thing brought on by none other than, you know, studying the word. I get no credit for it. I, this is not my natural way. My natural way is let's joust. You're going to get burned to the ground, scorched earth, heat of a thousand suns, volcanic ash left in a pile. That's my normal, but, but God. So fact galloping, here we come. Let's talk about this whole assertion that walls don't work. And this is interesting because um, I have never heard that before. <laughs> like this is the first time we've ever actually had grown adults who get paid tons of money, 178000 a year. That's good money. Most people don't make that. I know I don't. These people getting paid those big dollars are saying walls don't work. Well, walls do work. Congressional Democrats who risibly claim that a wall won't work because it's a medieval solution to a modern problem should try making the same argument about the wheel. The data shows that anywhere we have built walls with the correct mix of personnel and technology, we have seen a massive drop in illegal crossings, usually by... Uh, 90% or more. So San Diego, built in 1992, San Diego's wall was built in 1992. Apprehensions of illegal aliens crossing the border dropped 92% over the past 23 years. 92%. So it's not that the apprehensions dropped because they were coming in and they said, well, we got to let them go because we got a wall. No, they're not coming in because they, they can't get in. 
El Paso, they built their wall in 1993. Apprehensions of illegal aliens crossing the border dropped by 72% the first year and 95% over 22 years. Tucson, Arizona, built their wall in the year 2000. Apprehensions of illegal crossings at their border dropped 90% over 15 years. And then Yuma built theirs in 2005. Apprehensions of illegal aliens crossing the border there dropped 95% over nine years. This is not a question. This isn't, this is, you know, please don't engage in the kind of silliness that says, well, you know, these things just don't work. They do work. Not only do they work, but they are exactly what we need to do. It's exactly what we have to do if we want to demonstrate that we care so much about these kids being trafficked, these women. The horror stories that they tell, and, and if you are interested, if you have the stomach for it, uh, or if you want to listen to it and learn about it so that you can properly defend the, the idea that we need border security, because no one's advocating for just the wall. Everyone is advocating, including the president, are advocating for the barrier, the physical barrier, but also the additional technological improvements, more immigration judges to handle cases and lower the backlog and uh, information from, um, you know, the technological side for some advancements in facial recognition technology, which is already being used across the country and it should be used at the border and, and other things like that. And of course, we need E-Verify. We need to end to change migration. I mean, we could talk just a whole hour's worth of show about all of the different things that have to be done on the legal side, which takes it back to Congress, which they, they're not interested in doing anything, whether it's Republicans or Democrats. But again, wear your shirt proudly for the Senatola drug cartel. You advocate for lawlessness. You evildoer. You justifier of evil works. You wear your shirt. Throw your gang signs. Be proud that you advocate on behalf of drug lords and murderers, people who burn people alive for not doing what they're told and delivering drugs into the neighborhoods and, and towns and cities in America. Innocent kids getting caught up in this stuff. American kids who have a future and they're getting that stolen away from them. So that's just one of the fact check items. And I will go through a few more. But what I want to do now, I, I'm wanting to keep, because we prepared so much for the show today. Um, and I was, I was excited, as I always am, about doing the program I want to hear from President Obama. Now, I know you're groaning. You're probably just slammed on the brakes. and You're like, wait, I can, I just, you know, <laughs> I feel that way too a lot about listening to audio of him, especially when it's his current, like when he's out talking now. I'm like, dude, you are not supposed to be out getting this much attention. You are not the president anymore. So President Obama actually used some verbiage that might sound familiar to you because you just heard it from our current president. He called the southern border a national emergency. National emergency. Here he is in his own voice, something you can find, an audio clip you can find on YouTube right now. You can watch him say it out of his own mouth. It's number four. We now have an actual humanitarian crisis on the border that only underscores the need to drop the politics and fix our immigration system once and for all. In recent weeks, we've seen a surge of unaccompanied children arrive at the border, brought here and to other countries by smugglers and traffickers. The journey is unbelievably dangerous for these kids. The children who are fortunate enough to survive it will be taken care of while they go through the legal process, but in most cases that process will lead to them being sent back home. I've sent a clear message to parents in these countries not to put their kids through this. Now, he did, he did say that, um, and he also said he believe marriage was between a man and a woman. I mean, I, he doesn't have, he said you could save $2,500 a year uh, if, you, if, if we passed Obamacare as a country. I mean, we, he said a lot of things that weren't true. So it's, it's perfectly fine to be disillusioned and properly skeptical of things that he would say. But the purpose of that audio is simply to point out that when he said that, there was no Nancy Pelosi or Harry Reid at the time. Uh, you know, he was in leadership or any of the others. He was on the Senate side. None of them had anything to say about him saying it was a national emergency. Now, it could be the reason is because they knew on the back end he was calling catch and release deportation. He was apprehending people and then releasing them. And so it looked like he was the deporter in chief. But on paper... Illegal aliens were just strolling their way right into this country, and he was perfectly fine with it. 
He even said that a lot of the rural towns in America, they could use an infusion of color. You know, he he has a really low opinion of rural Americans. He thinks they're all racist. And, 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 you know, he can he's welcome to have any feeling he wants. But I seriously doubt if he when he was visiting all 57 of our United States that he hit every single rural area and was refused a handshake or was unable to get anybody to, to, you know, that he doesn't have those statements that he's making about rural Americans based in fact. And they're always going to be racist with us, just like we'll always have liars, cheats and fools. But this isn't about whether or not if a person that he thinks they're a racist, they should have 150 illegal aliens dropped in their town. I mean, these are the kind of mental leaps and gymnastics that we had to put up with when Barack Obama was the president. And now that he's not the president, we see Nancy Pelosi. It's as if she took his leftover cup of nonsense juice and she's been just dragging on it for the past year, two years that she hasn't been in leadership. And now that she's back in leadership, she's just she's going to town on that stuff. She just can't get enough of it. How much more crazy do we get? How much? I mean, do we deserve it? I don't I I don't think we do. I don't think we deserve this much crazy. I know. We're getting a lot of crazy, and some of the people here des- deserve the crazy, but I don't know that we deserve this much. It's just a bit much. So I missed last hour. I had to tell you in the first segment. I just wanted to give you this quick little nugget since we're on our galloping fact expedition. 48% of likely voters think government isn't doing enough to secure the border. 48% of likely voters. So that means the tide is not turning in the favor of the Democrats. They do not have the bully pulpit under control. Americans are not receiving their message that walls are immoral because a lot of people that are reading and hearing that message on the radio and on television, when they look out their back window or their side window or when they drive into their neighborhood, they see a lot of walls and fences. When they go to their highly secured workplace, they see a wall. Some of them see a wall and a fence and a whole bunch of other security measures. Some of them can't just stroll in and out of their building, even though they have a badge and they, can, they have authorization. They're only allowed to be in the building during certain hours. And if they show up and it's not in those hours, they're, they're, their key card doesn't work. Some of them have a key card, but they still have to pass by a security guard at the front who, if he doesn't know you by name, he's asking for ID and he makes you sign in. Anybody who's working in an environment like that or lives in a neighborhood anywhere in America where there's a fence is going to hear that walls are immoral and think, in what universe? Like, in what universe are walls actually immoral? So 48% of likely voters think the government isn't doing enough to secure the border. Now, the other bit that I have for you before we listen to this really cool joke that I found, (laughs) and I had to save it for today, um, because I thought, well, maybe I should do it on Monday. But today's Friday. It's a perfect day for us to listen to a joke and laugh. And we have done this before on Fridays, and I think it's what we need, because this topic is pretty heavy and it is it, and it's upsetting. It gets your blood pressure boiling. But we're going to hear just one quick little joke on the way out of this segment. And we have our guest, Mort Fortel. He's an author and marriage expert. And he's going to come and talk to us about this whole idea that Jeff Bezos can date while he's still married to, to his wife. Like, we just know that's not true. Um, but CNN actually proved twice that border walls work by sending I guess, their, their erstwhile reporter extraordinaire, Jim Acosta, down to the southern border. Uh, And he was standing next to a wall and said, I don't see a crisis here because there's a wall there. I mean, I love it when CNN does that to themselves. It's just delicious. All right, let's listen to this. um, It's from VidAngel's website on Facebook. And this guy says, are you a morning person? If so, people want you to die. It's number five. I didn't know this about working with kids. They're morning people. Woo! Kids are morning people. You know why little kids are morning people? Because you're weak in the morning as a grown-up, and they know that. Instinctually, it's like a feeding frenzy of sharks with blood in the water. Little kids pop out of bed at four in the morning and just start giving themselves haircuts with butter knives. Try to turn on your barbecue to cook Eggo waffles. It's insane. And I'm not a morning person. If you're a morning person in this room right now, hey, if you're a morning person, congratulations. Good for you. But I want you to know this fact. At some point in time in your morning person life, everybody you know has thought about murdering you. And not just kind of murdering you, they've thought it all the way through the process. They've drawn out plans, all right? they put together lists of things they need to get at Home Depot. They have gone through the steps in their minds. So be grateful that they haven't done it. <laughs> so I'm only a morning person if, like, I don't know, I'm at the White House. <laughs> Thank you.
Are you still stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums? And strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well, then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable. It's MediShare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than 25 years. MediShare members report saving around $500 a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster and say hello to MediShare. Call star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. MediShare. Call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star 345. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Americans currently promoting socialism tell us that we shouldn't look at the failed socialist experiments in Cuba or Venezuela. Instead, we should look at Sweden as proof that socialism works and can bring great prosperity. But that's not what Swedish historian Johan Norberg says. He is featured in a new documentary, Sweden, Lessons for America. John Stossel also interviewed Norberg for Stossel TV. Norberg makes it clear that Sweden is not socialist because the government doesn't own the means of production. To see that, you have to go to Venezuela or Cuba or North Korea. He does admit that the country did have something that resembled socialism a few decades ago. The government heavily taxed the citizens and spent heavily. It was not a good period in Swedish history, especially for the economy. One example he uses is Astrid Lindgren, author of the popular children's books Pippi Longstocking. Because her books were popular and sold well, she experienced something Americans cannot even imagine. She had to pay a tax of 102% on any new book she sold. Yet even with the high Swedish taxes, there was simply not enough money to fund Sweden's huge welfare state. Norberg explains that people couldn't get the pension that they thought they depended on for the future. At this point, the Swedish people had enough and began to reduce the size and scope of government. John Stossel says they cut public spending, privatized the national rail network, abolished certain government monopolies, eliminated inheritance taxes, and sold state-owned businesses like the maker of Absolute Vodka. While it is true that Sweden does have a larger welfare state than the U.S. and higher taxes than the U.S., there are many other areas where Sweden is actually more free market. Sweden isn't socialist and is actually a good example of why a country doesn't want to implement socialism. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. You can download episodes of Stacy on the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. Also, UrbanFamilyTalk.com and AFR.net. Those are our websites where we would really love it if you would subscribe so that you don't miss anything because there are no algorithms to prevent you from getting the content there, unlike on our social media networks. So we maintain those social media networks, but we know that the best source for you to connect to is our individual websites where we maintain those and we have control over whether or not you can access the content. So hit the subscribe button. We'd really appreciate it. And so welcome back to the show here on a really snowy Friday here in the state of Missouri, which is we're, we're getting blanketed with snow. Um, and yes, I've already bought all my eggs, bread, and milk. Like the little memes say, we're already all stocked up. So if we get snowed in, snowed in and we have to stay here, we're going to live. Uh, so now it's my pleasure to welcome Mort Fortell. He's an author and marriage expert uh, on the psychology of relationships. He has an international reputation for saving marriages. He's the creator of Marriage Fitness, a relationship renewal system that has been used by millions of people in marital crisis. In addition to his success with couples, he pioneered the Lone Ranger Track, a teleboot camp which offers people with an obstinate spouse a path to reconciliation. Fascinating work and information. Mort, thank you for coming on the show today. You are welcome. Nice to be here. So I want to hear your take on, uh, first of all, can someone who's married be dating someone else? The, the media keeps calling the extramarital affair between Jeff Bezos and they, they, they've given her every superlative. She's gorgeous. She's this. She's that. Lauren Sanchez. Um, he, how was he dating her if he's still married to his wife? I don't know. 
(laughs) That's the exact question I have. Last time I checked, when a married man's involved with another woman, that's called an affair. Yes. She's called a mistress, not Mm -hmm. a relationship. It's not dating, and she's not a girlfriend. No, and she's not gorgeous. And, you know, the, the, the way they're describing her, because she flies helicopters, which I have to admit, I read on. When I got to that part, I'm like, well... She flies helicopters? Really? So I I read and I read and I read and I'm like, okay, stop being starry-eyed. In today's America, any person can learn how to fly helicopters if you want to. Um, But she's still breaking up their marriage and she's actively participating in it because she and her husband were on the rocks. They decided to separate and then divorce. And in the course of that, she just picked up a relationship with her neighbor, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I don't really know anything about her, but I know one thing about her. And that is that she's willing to have an affair with a married man. Mm. And uh, that speaks volumes. Well, I guess, you know, if we're boiling things down to brass tacks, Mort, that's really all we need to know. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether she flies helicopters or spaceships. If she's willing to break up someone else's marriage, that really speaks volumes about her and about Jeff Bezos. So what, what do we see here? Like, Because I, I would love, you know what I'd love? My, my fantasy, Stacy says, in my mind, I already imagined it like yesterday in the evening while I was cooking dinner. I imagined Lauren Sanchez and Jeff Bezos breaking up and he and his wife reconciling and going on to have an epic marriage that lasts 55 years or whenever they, you know, kick the bucket. Is that possible when you see something like this? It's, it's absolutely possible. I mean, I see that in my work every single day. There are, as you mentioned in your introduction, thank you very much for that. You know, there have been hundreds of thousands of people that have gone through my program whose marriage have been infected with infidelity, and I've helped them, you know, end the affair and rebuild the trust and reconnect. It is possible, absolutely. It's a lot of work. And sometimes no the reason someone is, yeah, the reason someone's having an affair is because they're kind of lazy. They're not working on their own marriage, so they'd rather just start over again with someone to be shocked later that that person is similarly flawed to their original spouse. But what does it involve? What, what is it that has to be present for a couple to go from this news story that we're seeing now to reconciled and, and still married? Well, there's multiple things and multiple steps. I mean, maybe I'll just mention a couple. First of all, it, this is a bitter pill to swallow, but it's true. There's no excuse for an affair, of course, but affairs don't happen in a vacuum. They happen in the context of a broken marriage. In other words, Affairs don't lead to broken marriages. Broken marriages lead to affairs. And therefore, if the root of it is the broken marriage, both people are responsible. Both people are accountable. Now, don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean that it gives anybody license to have an affair. It doesn't mean that it absolves them of responsibility if they have an affair. And it doesn't mean if you're the betrayed that it's your fault. But it is your, partially your responsibility. You contributed to a marital environment that led to there being, you know, this lacking in the relationship that led to an affair. So that's a, you know, that's a, uh, that's a piece. Um, mm. And uh, also, in order for a marriage to come around post-infidelity, or I should say even while an affair is still going, there has to be at least one person willing to do the work to try to create new momentum. And if an affair is going on, that one person, unfortunately, almost always has to be the betrayed. That's a tall order, mm. but it's doable. And if a person that's being betrayed really wants to try to save their marriage, there is a lot they can do to rebuild the connection, to accelerate the end of the affair, and to help rebuild the marriage. And usually it's that person that has to take the first steps. Which is the one who... I mean, let's, let's just face it. We're all human beings. We all have feelings and emotions. And infidelity is the one that stabs most deeply at the core of who we are as people. Um, it's, it's very difficult to get the one who's been victimized to say, and now I need to work on saving this marriage. Because the other person, especially if they're still engaging in the affair, is the one you want them to apologize and make the overtures. But as you're describing, and, and I have to say, I know you said it's unpopular, but I said as much earlier. Um, and, and I've said as much about a number of different issues we face in our society. Often, no one wants to blame the victim, and I would never blame her for hi- what he chose to do. But if their marriage was happy to, and whole... I just, have to interrupt, I just have to interrupt you about something. I'm, I apologize. It's not always her. 
<laughs> oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, I was, I was speaking of the Bezos affair, but of course the, the victim oh, yeah. who, who, who's ever been cheated yeah. on, um, the, if the marriage were sound and healthy and whole, then the opportunity for the cheating would be minimized to such a degree that the person would have to be acting out of character or maybe in character. You just don't know you're married to, you know, a natural born cheater. I agree with you on that. So when you're trying to convince the, the, the cheated upon spouse, be they a man or a woman to make this overture, I mean, how hard is that? That sounds like a really tall order for you to get them over that. Well, yeah. Yes. And no, you have to appreciate that. Um, you know, the, the betrayed, the one who was cheated on, if they're in my presence, if they're in my program, they want to save their marriage. They want to turn things around. So I don't really have to convince them to make an effort in their marriage. They already want to save the marriage. They're coming to me looking for direction about how to do that, right? In other words, if I had to go out into the world and talk to random people, people who were cheated on, I don't actually know how I would get them <laughs> to make mm-hmm. that effort in their marriage. I, I, I don't do that on a regular basis. I don't insert myself into people's lives like that. Um, the people that are coming to me who are betrayed, and there are many of them, they're hurting, yes, and they're upset at their spouse, of course, but nonetheless, they want to see if there's something they can do to turn this around, to get the affair to end, and to reconcile their marriage. And the answer is yes, there is a lot. And, and my job is not so much to convince them to make an effort. They're ready to do that. It's to give them direction about what kind of effort will be productive. Hmm. So you've had a, a high rate of success. What would you say is the most important thing that a, a spouse who's been cheated on or the, you know, the affair is going on right at this moment, what's the, what's the most important step for them to take first, the thing that they should do or their thought that they should have? What is it? I don't know if I can say there's a most important, but I'm happy to, to reel off um, you know, a couple of things. Sure. Uh, first of all, it's important to abandon the three C's. The three C's are criticize, condemn, and complain. And my advice about the three C's is very simple. Don't do it. Of course, you're justified in doing it, especially if your spouse is having an affair. Most of us are justified in doing it even if our spouse is not having an affair because nobody's perfect. People make mistakes, and of course, we have critiques. Sure. But it's not productive. It's not helpful. We mean well when we do it. We want change things when we do it, but if you're honest with yourself and you look at the impact that criticism and condemning and complaining has on relationships, it's always destructive, not constructive. And so one very uh, productive thing that you can do immediately is to refrain from the three C's. Don't criticize, condemn, or complain. Uh. A second thing is the second thing is people that are being betrayed are often have this strong impulse to become Columbo and start spying on their spouse and trying to get all this information. It's a normal impulse. It's understandable, but it's totally unproductive. And a person should refrain from, from doing that. It's not the right thing to do. It's a, it's a violation of your spouse's privacy. Uh, if they find out, which they usually do, they'll just be more infuriated and feel more justified. Um, and, it, and, it, and, and it doesn't accomplish anything. It, it makes you feel better in the moment you find some information, but it doesn't actually lead to the rebuilding of trust or anything good. And so it's important to refrain from being Columbo. Wow. Okay, so that's one that we we all know that's where the first thing you want to go to is if you find out there's cheating, you want to get all the details, you want to, you know, dig everything up and you want to be constantly on the, on the prowl to make sure nothing's going on. Um, so as we're closing out, I'm, I'm assuming because you've written a book about this and because you're, this is what you do for a living that you have a place where people can reach out to you or resources or anything of that nature that you'd like to share uh, with the listing audience about how they can access your services or the book itself that you've written. Well, thank you for asking. Yeah. People can go to my website, mortfortel.com mortfortell.com. And on my website, you can learn about the marriage fitness program. And uh, as a first step, I encourage everybody 
to get my free report, totally free, no strings attached, Seven Secrets to Fixing Your Marriage. Just uh, type in your name and email address on my website and it'll be sent to you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I have to say, um, the, the things that you've shared, they make sense. And I know uh, for anyone who's currently battling this situation, the, just the idea that there's someone out there that can offer some hope, a lifeline and resources, it's such an amazing thing to have access to and that you're doing this work. is It's outstanding. Thank you so much for coming on today to discuss it and for what you're doing to help people save their marriages. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Mort. It's, we were speaking with Mort Fortell, author, marriage expert. Um, he's done so much of this work and gotten so many people back on the right track. And I thought it was a really good um, interview for us to have today on a Friday, especially with this breaking news story about the Bezoses. And um, so I've heard some speculation, um, just to wrap that topic up, that there's uh, some photographs and untoward things that are going to be released. And that's the reason why he came forward with it. And that she doesn't have a prenup because she married him before he was anybody. And they've been married for 25 years. So it's highly likely that she's going to receive a, quite a substantial payoff. But I wasn't kidding when I said my hope would be for the Bezoses. They have children. They've been married for 25 years. Lauren Sanchez is going to have some of the same things about her that his wife has. Uh, they're not the same person, but they're both women, meaning they're going. no one is perfect. And I would love to see the Bezos family remain together. And so that's what I hope and pray will happen. I don't know them. I, actually, I know Jeff Bezos is a hardcore liberal and he doesn't hold any of the same moral ideas that I do, but they're still in a marriage and any marriage that could be saved, I would hope that it would be. And so I, I, I sincerely hope that they find a way not to get divorced and to split their family up. And I would hope that Lauren Sanchez and her husband could, you know, could, Fix their marriage too. They're married to each other. They should be able to, to fix their marriage instead of because it often when it's going from one socioeconomic level, like if Lauren Sanchez was just some regular chick and she's married to a regular guy, income wise, and she gets you know swept off her feet by Jeff Bezos, that'd be one thing. But her she's already married to a wealthy man, so this isn't about money, or at least it doesn't appear to be. I don't care what it's about. I just hope the Bezoses can save their marriage. So um, I was really great to talk to Mort. Wonderful perspective he has. He seems really upbeat and positive, which is needed in situations like this. So now I want to get back to, I mentioned to you, CNN actually proved twice why Trump's wall will work. And I mentioned that, uh, you know, you've got Jim Acosta at the U.S.-Mexico border in McAllen, Texas, saying there's no chaos here. It's true. But the night before, Don Lemon helped a Democrat congressman from San Diego also make the same case that walls work. They were talking about the wall in San Diego and uh, Representative Juan Vargas, who's a Democrat from California, was talking to Don Lemon and he said, quote, I live along the border a little over 10 miles from the border. It's San Diego. I mean, it's basically paradise. It's one of the safest places in the country, and the notion that we have a crisis there, a security crisis, is absolute nonsense. Well, Vargas is right. San Diego is a thriving community with the lowest violent crime rates of any major city in the country. Coupled with the year-round beautiful weather, many of us would be lucky to live there. But San Diego wasn't always this way. Tijuana, which shares the border with uh, San Diego, is the fifth most dangerous city in the entire world. But when they put up the wall, all of a sudden, Tijuana's problems were no longer San Diego's problems. And that's why it's paradise on one side and a pit on the other. And there are a lot of people with money in Tijuana. And like, it's, it's a vibrant city, but it's also very dangerous there. The criminals get to stay on their side, um, on the side where they belong with the crime. And the people of San Diego get to live in their crime-free paradise. So I also want to touch on, before we get to uh, the last segment, um, just some programming notes. So an update. Yesterday, I thanked everybody for Preborn and the participation in the program. And AFR listeners have outdone themselves. We are now looking at, I think the last number I saw was 2,600 plus ultrasounds provided by this fantastic audience. Thank you. Thank you so much for being so awesome and for partnering with us. We still have a, just a bit of time left for you to do so. 
Call 877-616-2396, that's 877-616-2396, or go to AFR.net, $28 buys one ultrasound, $140 buys five. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Bloomberg Quint has repeatedly covered the devastating consequences of socialism unfolding in Venezuela. A recent opinion piece describes a hellish, never-ending struggle for survival in Caracas. Starving children roaming the streets, no health care, food, or even water. This type of economic devastation is impossible for lazy Democrats to fathom. We have too much food in America. There is no chance that, say, implementing Medicare for all would bring about those same results here. The mantra of newly elected Democrat Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is that we just haven't tried socialism correctly. If we do it here, Cortez's way, then it will finally work. Garbage. What we actually need is for Democrats to purge their party of all socialists and reorient themselves back to some semblance of rectitude. How about giving that a try? I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. We've seen God open up so many doors for us to help serve and love those who get affected by a natural disaster. As the trees and the wind started crashing down around us, my wife was, of course, very diligently praying, you know, Lord, please be with us. Very simply, we do it because God commands us to love others. I see these volunteers all as a gift from God. And I'm just grateful they're here, you know, helping out. It's a blessing. If you're interested in becoming a part of what God's doing through 8 Days of Hope, please go to 8daysofhope.com, click on Get Involved, submit your email address. I've noticed that whenever there's a time in my life when um, things might be a little gloomy, the number one thing that I can do is to go serve somebody. And uh, I would encourage anyone else to, uh, it's worth it. Come out and do it next time if you didn't make it to this one. And, um, the Father would really bless you in it. Thank you so much for your prayers and volunteering with 8 Days of Hope. This is House Call for Health. Millions of Americans deal with food allergies, but not as many as you might think. According to a new study, around 20% of Americans say they're allergic to some food, but a more accurate estimate would be around 10%, such as a severe rash or a closing up of their throat. The study in the journal JAMA Network Open found that many people believe they have allergies even if they don't have serious reactions. The most common food allergy among Americans is to shellfish, affecting more than 7 million adults. Other major allergies include milk, nuts, eggs, and gluten, which is in wheat. Scientists from Northwestern University and Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago found that a high number of people developed food allergies as adults. A surprise, since so much recent attention in research has focused on food allergies in children. For more health news, go to foxnewshealth.com. House Call for Health, I'm Joy Piazza, Fox News. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It couldn't be more real to them. Um, this is the most presidential I've seen President Trump. It was compelling and everything he said was true. About 30% of the 2,200 miles of border has some form of barrier. There are already walls along the border. We just need to extend those walls where it makes sense. The one thing we have in common as a member of the Senate, Speaker of the House, uh, Minority Leader of the Senate, and President of the United States, we have a bunch of people guarding us with guns. It's pretty hard to get in the Capitol, really hard to get in the White House. All the President's saying is, I'd like to provide more security to the American people. It is a crisis, Sean. I've tried to be reasonable and practicable when it com comes to immigration. And I'm flabbergasted to hear from my Democratic colleagues who have voted for billions of dollars in border security money that this is manufactured. Was it manufactured when Obama wanted the money? No. Why did you give the money to Obama and Bush if it was a manufactured crisis? Apparently, we had $50 billion in uh, wall money that was appropriated over the years, but most of it was for maintenance of existing barriers and only a a tiny fraction of that was for new wall. So the 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 balking is that, you know, they Democrats know how effective the walls have been and they don't want new wall because they like the current status quo. And I just reiterate again, feel free to take this as your own. 
put your NASCAR shirt on, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and anybody else who's advocating for open borders. You work for the Senatola drug cartel. That's who you are working for. That's, that's who you want to be in control of our southern border. You want their drugs in our country. You want those drug mules bringing in those, those women and children, and you want all of that assault. You want all of that. That's what you want. And, you know, I understand you're going to want to disagree with that and maybe argue about it, but I don't have time. I, I'm going to waste my time arguing with you about your lawlessness. You just go on with your lawlessness. It's yours. Own it. Be the person that you, that you are. Be you strong in your convictions. You know, that's horrible English, but you get what I'm saying. Um, so in addition to that, now I want to pivot over to a story that I believe we covered here on the show, but I want to wrap it up because people are, you know, have been wondering updates on this. NIH, so National Institutes of Health, will not decide whether to continue their long-term multi-million dollar contract with the University of California, San Francisco, to make humanized mice with organs taken from aborted babies until after it has completed its ongoing audit of all HH-funded, HHS-funded fetal tissue acquisitions and a comprehensive review of HHS-funded fetal tissue research. So what did I just say? I said that basically... The contract is in limbo, so whatever money is still available to work with is still being worked with to use the body parts of aborted babies and to use those parts on mice to humanize them. Now, if you're grossed out by that, I apologize, but this is a story that we have to cover and be aware of because this is going on in our country. The contract extension with USCF, University of California, San Francisco, was signed December 4th, 2018 and runs through March 5th of 2019, according to the Federal Procurement Data System. It pays the university $521,082 to do this work. The contract remains on the 90-day extension to ensure continuity of service until the audit is completed and a final decision can be made about the contract. This statement was sent to cnsnews.com in response to questions by the news agency. During the 90-day extension, the NIH contracting officer representative can instruct US, UCSF to produce new mouse cohorts, obtain or engraft new fetal tissue, so purchase baby body parts, or start new in vitro or humanized mouse studies that are not already planned if deemed scientifically necessary. CNSnews.com asks USCF UCSF, I just keep reversing that, this week if they had produced any humanized mice since the extension was granted or whether it would be producing any humanized mice during the contract's extension period, and they responded, we're not going to have any further comment. So you know the, the demons that are involved in this research, grafting human baby body parts onto mice and into them and creating all this weird, you know, Frankensteinish type stuff. They don't, they don't care anything about our objections to that. They're into doing this dastardly evil work. And we're into funding it because you pay taxes and so do I. And this, some of this money is some ours. What we've paid to the government for them to use for these horrible, horrible. I mean, it just it defies imagination who thought this was a good idea. This is the kind of research you do in the private sector. You, you get together some evil folks and you do it on your own. You don't force taxpayers to do it. But I guess that's the point, isn't it? That makes it so that we're all culpable. We're all a part of the evil if we all participate by all tax paying. That's why they like the Planned Parenthood funding. Now, news update. If you know, you're listening to the show, so you're not listening to other news outlets, I just want to let you know that the, Nancy Pelosi just signed a bill. She's acting all presidential, but since so she's back in the House. Um, she says that the bill gives, a, uh, gives all of the people who are working for the federal government, they get paid anyway, even during the shutdown. So in other words... Let's take the pain away, pain that Americans are feeling because of her intransigence. Let's just go around it. And remember what I told you the last time uh, we, we were just talking about this yesterday about how, um, well, first of all, when people don't do their jobs, people die. But also that the Democrats are a party of making sure that natural consequences don't follow. So if you've done something wrong, like Nancy Pelosi, all of a sudden she can't imagine paying one dollar to fund the border wall. But she's voted over and over and over again for it. So the thing she can't fathom is Donald Trump, not the dollar. 
in order to keep her constituents off her back, in order to get people to stop talking to her about how they're not getting paid, she wants to take away the hurt. The hurt of a government shutdown is that people have to, essential people have to work without being paid and non-essential people are furloughed. So they're just off on their own. And my advice to you is to sign up for Instacart. If you're out of work right now and you're looking for something for the interim, Instacart is where you deliver groceries from the Aldi. The, in, in our area, we have grocery stores named after families, funny names. I'm not even going to say I'm here. And we shop at these grocery stores. But if you want to just order food from home and some, have someone deliver it to you, um, it's just like Uber. It's a gig economy type job, but you get paid by the delivery. So you can sign up for two hours, six hours, eight hours, whatever. And a lot of people are doing it. I'm talking about people who have professional jobs are doing this in their spare time. And teenagers are doing it. As long as you're 18 and you have a valid driver's license, you can deliver. You can do the shopping too. That's another part of the job where you go in, they give you the list on the phone and you scan the items to make sure you're getting exactly what they've called for. And then you take the items, pay for them, bag them up and deliver them to the house. And you get these tips. I've talked to people who are doing it. They get tipped really nicely for delivering the food. So, you know, I'm just giving those as suggestions because I understand, uh, you know, you, if you're expecting a paycheck, you want to get that paycheck. You're not looking for anybody to tell you, well, you've been furloughed. Now, I told you also, when we were on active duty, my husband and I, uh, and there was a government shutdown, we were still paid because our credit union extended us the funds because they know the government will open back up and they will be paid. So our credit union direct deposited the normal amount of our paycheck just as if they'd been given it. And they did that for the whole time that the shutdown went on. And then they were reimbursed and we not, nothing stopped for us. We just kept going. But we were on active duty then. I don't know if that applies to all federal employees or just active duty members. And I don't know if it's just our credit union or if all credit unions do that. Um, but that's what happened with us. So uh, I am going to direct you to the Instagram. And you can see pictures of the winter wonderland that we have going on. Um, is just gorgeous. But we're also waiting on, we got one person still out of the house that we're waiting to get back in this weather. And I have a friend who's already texted and said she spent two hours on the road. Apparently the roads are not scraped. I would think that since this weather warning has been in effect for over 24 hours, we're usually really good about getting uh, the roads salted beforehand. I'm not sure what's happened because I have not actually been out there. But I encourage you, if you're in the Midwest or anywhere where the snow is coming down, please drive carefully if you're leaving because you have to go out in this in this messy weather, make sure you have your um, your ice melt. You can buy these ice melt. It's a one. It's a, think of like a huge outsized milk jug. It's a shaker type container. You purchase that and you keep it in the trunk of your car. You also keep a blanket. You keep some uh, the emergency first aid kit in there. A couple of bottles of water. And the reason you do that is just in case your car breaks down and you need to walk down, you know, walk someplace and lock your car and walk. You got that snow, snow ice melt that you can shake in front of you. Um, you can take the blanket with you and wrap it around your coat and you can drink the water before you get on the way. So you have, you're hydrated. I know it sounds, you know, like, oh, she's a mom. She's like so overly prepared up. Oh, she's back. I just saw her car pull into the driveway. So that means that's four out of five is five out of five. Good to go. Um, and I'm making cheddar soup for dinner tonight. I know this is a lot of information, but just work with me here. We've had our gallop through the facts. It's been fun. Um, I'm making cheddar soup for dinner tonight. Request the, the teenage boy asked for cheddar soup. Um, so we were talking about the fact check. We were talking about the White House sending out the information. Um, and I think it's important that we continue to share what we know. Um, and, and there's a few things that we know, Okay. First of all, the things that we know about the southern border are these these are things that we don't have to kind of question. Um, like, for instance, last month in December, newly released data shows that December was a record breaking month for family unit aliens apprehended at the border. Twenty seven thousand five hundred and eighteen family unit aliens were apprehended illegally crossing the border last month, December. Do you hear that? That's one month. So far in fiscal year 2019, there have been more family unit apprehensions through December than the fiscal year totals in five of the last seven years. For the last three months, an average of 2,000 inadmissible migrants have arrived at our border every day. A monthly average of more than 31,000 family units have been apprehended at the border and deemed inadmissible at ports of entry in fiscal year 
2019. That's the year we're still in because it started in uh, October of last year. This marks a 136% increase from fiscal year 17. There's been a sharp increase in the number of aliens claiming fear of return. It allows illegal aliens to stay in the United States while their claims are processed. The flood of migrants has overwhelmed our immigration system. Gangs and drugs are destroying communities. Gangs like MS-13 use our weak borders to gain entry into the country, and they target unaccompanied minors for recruitment. 300 Americans die every week from heroin, and 90% of all heroin originates from south of the border. The amount of fentanyl seized by Immigration and Customs Enforcement in fiscal year 2017, 2,370 pounds, was enough to kill every American citizen by overdose. One more time while we're galloping through the facts and smelling the, the, the sweetness of the truth. The amount of fentanyl seized by ICE in fiscal year 17, 2,370 pounds, was enough to kill every American citizen by overdose. So you can't say they're not trying, right? The southern border is the main entry point for cocaine coming into the country. The border is also used to smuggle firearms, weaponry, and other dangerous materials into the United States. And women and children are at risk. Human traffickers exploit the border and immigration system for profit. Human traffickers use our loopholes for their own gain, preying on those who make the dangerous journey north. More than 30% of women are sexually assaulted in the trek to the border. Nearly 70% of the migrants are victims of violence. And Border Patrol refers an average of 50 cases a day to medical providers. This is information coming directly from our government. And it's, I, I refuse to allow anyone, especially Democrats who love the government and want it to be bigger, to dispute these, these numbers. I thought I heard Rena Shah say that uh, the information I was quoting was, um, it was from the CDC. You know, it's been, so the CDC used to be the favorite organization of liberals until the CDC published a gun study that they hadn't published because they didn't like the results. The study, the defensive gun use study, you've heard me talk about it. The defensive gun use study that showed a couple million times a year Americans use their firearms to ward off attackers. It's why, this, it's why we're the safest country. It's why, it's why it's so wonderful to live here because there's going to be crime. There's going to be lawbreakers, but there's also going to be gun owners who are like, not today, Satan, and back that thing on up before you get lit up. That's right. This happens 2 million times a year. As soon as the CDC finally put that information out, then now the CDC is debunked. It's discredited. You just can't accept anything from them. Do you see how that works with the Democrats? They're good with you as a government agency until you start telling the truth about something that they disagree on. Then you're no longer. So that's why they, do, they want to abolish ICE. They don't trust the Department of Homeland Security. But they don't understand why we don't trust the FBI and the DOJ because the Mueller investigation is a witch hunt. And we know that they're just trying to get rid of President Trump. They want to impeach him and try to get the Senate to remove him from office. We know it's not going to happen, but they're wasting our taxpayer dollars and they're wasting our, our time. But, you know, we got to trust the FBI, but we can't trust the CDC. All right. Perfect time to let go and let God head on into the weekend. Getting in the pew on Saturday or Sunday, whichever day is your day. Fellowshipping. Enjoying. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. I'll be back with you on Monday, Lord willing. Until then, good evening from the heartland.